Do you desire to please God with your life? Do you also struggle with sinful thoughts and habits? There's a conflict going on there, right? On the one hand, there's a desire to please God, yet on the other, a strong desire to please self. In Galatians 5.17, Paul reminds us that the flesh is in conflict with the spirit. The spirit is in conflict with the flesh. They're opposed to each other, making it difficult to do what's right. Well, in today's episode, we're going to talk about four steps to overcoming any temptation. Four steps to transforming those sinful thoughts and habits into a pattern of life that consistently honors and glorifies God. Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, and this is episode number two. First of all, I think it's important we understand that life gets messed up when King Me is sitting on the throne of your heart. To become a godly man, to be a man of integrity, to be a man who truly honors God every moment of every day in every aspect of life, you need to choose daily to remove the I from life. It's not about you. You need to choose to get King Me off the throne of your heart. It is impossible to glorify God in your life when you are in charge of your heart. I want you to understand this. Listen to me closely. No matter what your temptation may be, the problem you're struggling with is not lust, porn, masturbation, drugs, alcohol, anger, worry, anxiety, food, gambling. Those are the byproducts of the real problem. The real problem each and every one of us battles with on a daily basis is a worship disorder. Who is sitting on the throne of your heart? I do what I do because in my heart I want what I want. You see, my friend, when King Me is sitting on the throne of my heart, I am going to worship King Me. Everything I think, everything I say, everything I do is going to have a natural bent toward pleasing King Me. Now watch this. Here's, here's my thesis, if you will, for this episode. You don't have to give in to your temptations. You give in because you choose to. You give in because King Me is sitting high and mighty on the throne of your heart, and you do what you do because in your heart you want what you want. So the issue before us this episode is not a need to change our behavior, but rather a desperate need to change our heart. Change the heart, and the behavior will follow. Now, here's the main problem as I see it. When you choose to keep the eye in life, when you choose to keep King Me on the throne of your heart, when each and every day is primarily about self, then you are choosing to live independently from Elohim. And Elohim is that Old Testament name for God. L-I-F-E, living independently from Elohim. You see, when I put the I in my life, I am choosing to live that life separate from God. And I want to submit to you that we need to learn how to remove the I from life. We need to learn how to live it every single day, all of it for the glory of God. And when we do that, when we choose to put God on the throne of our heart, we will begin to live for Elohim. Think about it. Remove the I from life. You're left with the letters L-F-E, living for Elohim. Get King Me off the throne of your heart and you will live for God. By the way, you do know that glorifying God is the chief purpose in life. 
In Isaiah 43, verse 7, God said, I created, I formed, I designed you for my glory. My friend, you and I have the distinctive calling. We have been given the divine task of daily glorifying God in everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do. That is our ultimate purpose in life. But don't take my word for it. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, God says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In Colossians 3.17, it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's our goal, to glorify God. But we struggle with that, don't we? We struggle with living a life that is sold out for God. Why? Because in a large part, we're daily faced with temptations that demand that we choose to live for King Me instead of choosing to live for God. Let me, let me share with you a key thought about temptation here. What you see is not what you get. Here's the thing about temptation that we need to understand. That which makes your temptation so powerful, that which makes your temptation so irresistible, is your perception of what is being offered to you. Let me explain it to you this way. With each and every temptation you experience, there comes a promise of relief. If you just give in to your temptation, you will experience relief from your stress, relief from your boredom, relief from frustration, loneliness, sadness. There's a promise that comes with every temptation that if you give in just this once, just this one thing one more time, oh, you'll feel better. Temptation offers you the opportunity to ignore your pain, to forget your problems, even if it's just for a short period of time. Your temptation teases you with the pleasures that life has to offer. <laughs> the problem? Your temptation typically doesn't actually deliver the promised goods. It will always overpromise and underdeliver. It deceives you. It presents you with one beautiful, glorious, enjoyable thing, only to turn around and hand you something hideous, unholy, and destructive. What you see is not what you get. So when temptation comes knocking on your heart's door, just say no. By the way, that phrase, just say no, did not originate with the Reagan administration. It goes all the way back to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, where Paul told Titus that the amazing grace of God teaches us that when we're faced with temptation, just say no. Here's what I want you to understand. When you are facing temptation, any temptation, no matter the temptation, no matter the circumstances, don't play around with it. Don't entertain it. In Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8, we're told not even to go near the door. In Romans 13, verse 14, it says, do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Why? Why can't I just think about it? Why can't I just entertain the thought? The answer is simple. What you think will become what you do. But again, please, don't take my word for it. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What I think becomes what I do. In Proverbs 27, 19, it says, As water reflects the face, or as a mirror reflects your face, so one's life reflects the heart. In other words, what I think will become what I do. Every instance when you are faced with a temptation, you are also at that same moment faced with a decision. 
Do I give in or do I resist standing firm and fighting against it? Here's what I want you to lean into. Every response to temptation is an act of worship. You see, either you're going to respond to the temptation by choosing to give in and worship King Me, or you're going to respond to the temptation by choosing to resist and worship God. Now, I want you to consider this. Not only is every response to temptation an act of worship, but every response to temptation is also an act of war. When you choose to respond to your temptation by choosing to serve King Me, to worship King Me, you have also chosen to declare war on God. On the flip side, when you choose to respond to your temptation by choosing to resist the temptation and worship God, you are declaring war on King Me. Only two choices can there be, pleasing God or pleasing Me. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, God is speaking to Cain just before he kills his brother Abel. Here's what he said. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You must master it. I want to submit to you that God is saying to each and every one of us listening to this podcast, you have a choice. You always have a choice. Now, Listen to this next point very closely. With each and every choice you make, there will always be consequences. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul writes, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that he also reaps. For the one who sows to his own flesh, in other words, the one who chooses King Me, will from the flesh, or from that choice, reap corruption, choice, consequence. The verse goes on to say that the one who sows to the Spirit, in other words, the one who chooses to worship and honor God, will from the Spirit, from that choice, reap eternal life, choice, consequence. There's an old saying, some of you may be familiar with it, it goes like this, you can choose your actions, but you cannot choose the consequences. You ever heard that before? You can choose your actions, but you cannot choose the consequences. I like to use the example of a running lawnmower. I can choose the action of placing my hand underneath a running lawnmower. Now, let me hit the pause button. I do not recommend that to anyone. That is not a smart choice, but I'm free to make that choice. I can choose to put my hand underneath a running lawnmower, but I cannot choose whether those spinning blades take my fingers off or not. Choice, consequence. You can choose your actions, but you cannot choose the consequences. Now, I want to challenge that statement because I want to submit to you this. You can choose your consequences by choosing your actions. Let's go back to the example of a running lawnmower. I can choose the consequence of not losing my fingers by choosing the action of not putting my hand underneath that running lawnmower. Choice, consequence. Only two choices can there be, pleasing God or pleasing me. It is impossible to glorify God in your life when you are in charge of your heart. At each and every moment of temptation, when you choose to give in, when you choose in favor of King Me, let's face it, that's almost always an easy choice. Would you agree with that? It's easy to choose in favor of King Me. 
You see, you've already been living daily with the mindset that says, I want, I need, I deserve, I desire, I have to have, and I can't live without me, me, me. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 13, that the way that leads to destruction, the path, if you will, that takes you away from God, the king me way is easy. But I want you to understand this. When you are choosing king me, when you are choosing that easy path, you have also, by that choice, automatically chosen to turn your back on God. But again, don't take my word for it. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Those who worship false gods, those who put King Me on the throne of their heart, turn their back on God's mercy. Let me illustrate it to you this way. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, No man can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other, or he'll cling to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both. Imagine for just a moment that I'm holding both of my hands out in front of me, palms up. In my left hand, I'm holding a large rubber ball, and imprinted upon that ball are the letters that spell the words King Me. You got that picture? And in my right hand, I'm holding a large ball, rubber ball, that emblazoned upon it are the letters that spell out the name God. Now, I'm, I'm bouncing my hands up and down, first the left, then the right, kind of like I'm juggling. Satan wants you to believe that you are going throughout each day doing a juggling act. Me, God, me, God, me, God. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Let me illustrate it differently. Let me stick my hands all the way out to either side as if I were hanging on a cross. So I'm, I'm making a, 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 the letter T, if you will, with my body. Palms are still facing up, hands are stretched out all the way to the left, all the way to the right. I'm looking straight ahead. My hands are in a fixed position. They cannot move. And as I'm looking straight ahead, I'm wiggling my fingers right now, but I can't see them because they're outside of my peripheral vision. You, You tracking with me? So think with me about this. If I want to see my left hand, what must I do? Understanding the hand is in a fixed position. If I want to see my left hand, I have to turn my head to the left. By virtue of turning my head to the left, I have also turned my head away from the right. Conversely, if I want to see my right hand, I need to turn my head away from the left and look to the right. Now, still with my arms extended out to either side of me, palms up. In my left hand, I'm holding that ball that says King Me. In the right hand, I'm holding that ball that says God. Let's think about Matthew 6.24 again. No man can serve two masters. Now, I'm going to look to the left. Either you're going to love the one. As I'm looking to the left, I'm loving, I'm choosing to worship King Me. But I'm also hating the other. I've turned my back on God. Or you're going to be devoted to the one. You're going to cling to one. So now I've turned my head all the way to the right. I'm worshiping God. I'm focused on God. But I'm also despising the other, despising King Me. I can't serve both at the same time. So let me reiterate, let, let me drive this point home. It's vital that you grasp this. It's critical that this truth sets in, that when you choose King me over God, you are automatically choosing every single time against God. Romans chapter 8, verse 7 puts it this way, you're hostile to God. It is impossible to glorify God in your life when you are in charge of your heart. So it's easy to choose King me, but... As we saw earlier, there are always consequences to every choice that you make. 
In Proverbs 14, verse 12, it says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Choice, consequence. Now now watch this. Choosing King Me is an easy choice, but the consequences of that choice will always be painful and hard. In Proverbs 13, verse 15, it says, The way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the one who goes against God, the way of the one who turns their back on God in favor of sin, the way of the one who is putting king me first will always be hard. Now, I want to make sure you're focused on this next point. Listen to this next verse. Proverbs 4.19 tells us that the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. You do not know over what you stumble. Now, that's a powerful verse, so I need to repeat it. Listen carefully. Proverbs 4.19, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. You do not know over what you stumble. Have you ever bumped into something in the dark, maybe gotten up out of bed in the middle of the night, didn't want to turn any lights on, so you, you start walking, you stubbed your toe on a chair, rammed your knee into a kitchen cabinet, slammed your face into a closed door? Why did that happen? Well, of course, it's because you couldn't see. It was dark. There was no light. And as a result of you walking around in darkness, you messed up and consequently experienced pain and difficulty. Let me repeat Proverbs 4.19. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. You do not know over what you stumble. In other words, when you choose to turn your back on God, who is the light of the world, when you choose to live for King Me, you will be walking in darkness. In other words, You will give in to your temptation, and you will sin. In John chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus said, Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Now, wait a minute. Let's hit the pause button here for a second. Steve, are you trying to tell me that living for King Me is evil? Steve, are you trying to tell me that that choosing to put King Me on the throne of my heart is a wicked thing? I'm not trying to tell you that. Let's let's look at God's word, James chapter 3, verse 16. It says that where you have envy and selfish ambition, did you catch those words? Where you have selfish ambition, in other words, where King Me is sitting on the throne of your heart, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Think about it this way. When you choose to live for King Me, Whom are you choosing to worship? I know the answer is fairly obvious, but would you respond? Well, of course, you're choosing to worship self, King Me. Remember, only two choices can there be, pleasing God or pleasing Me. So when you choose to live for yourself, King Me has become your God. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, God says, You shall have no other gods besides Me. Now, here's another question for you. Are you God? No, of course not. You're not, I'm not. No one can be God but God. Now watch this. When you choose to live for King Me, you have chosen to worship a false God. And according to the scriptures, that is idolatry. That is evil and wicked in the eyes of a holy God. So I challenge you right now, as you're listening to this podcast, examine your heart. Are you choosing to live for King Me? Are you choosing to worship a false god? If the answer is even a little bit yes, then you are an idolater. Don't be surprised when you stumble and fall in your spiritual walk. 
Don't be shocked when you give in to temptation and you end up sinning. Let me remind you of 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Here's another question for you. According to that verse, how much of your life is to glorify God? The answer, all of it. And all means all, and that's all all means. So what percentage of your day can be about King Me? The answer is zero. Now, on the flip side, when you're facing your temptation and you make the willful choice to put God first in your life, to resist the temptation, to dethrone King Me and put God first in your life, let's face it, that's almost always a hard choice. It's hard to choose to put God first in every aspect of your life. Can I get a witness? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, Jesus said, The way is hard that leads to life. Why is it so hard to let God sit on the throne of your heart? I think the answer in part is found in Luke 9, 23, when Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. <laughs> Let's face it, it's hard to choose to deny self. Am I right? It's hard to choose to take up a cross every single day, right? It's hard not just to deny myself, but die to myself, right? Choosing for God is not easy. But here's the thing. Although at first it's a hard choice, Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Oh, are you catching this? Choose God to be the Lord of your life, every moment of your life, and you will not walk in darkness. Allow God to sit on the throne, and you will not stumble. You will not fall. You will not give in to your temptation, and you will not sin. Jesus himself said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Choose to deny yourself. Choose to follow Christ. Choose to die to King me and walk in the Spirit. And my friend, you will not sin. But again, please don't take my word for it. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Well, let's pause here for a moment and let's be real. Not, not that we haven't been, but let's continue to be real. All of this is great. It makes sense. But how? How do I consistently make the right choices each and every time that I'm tempted? How do I not just remove King Me from the throne, but keep him off the throne? Let me take the remainder of this podcast and let me quickly share with you four biblical steps to overcoming any temptation in your life. Step number one is to read your Bible daily. Yes, you heard correctly. Read your Bible daily. The first and most important action that you and I must do on a daily basis is to read our Bible. Be in the Word of God. Now, it's important here that you noticed what I did not say. I did not say that overcoming any temptation requires you reading a good devotional book. I didn't say you must read a good Bible study or a Bible commentary. To overcome any temptation and consistently live in spiritual victory, to, to remove the I from life, to dethrone King Me, you must daily read your Bible. 
Now, please don't misunderstand me here. I don't want to get any nasty emails or texts. Devotional books, Bible studies, Bible commentaries, they can be good things. However, when all is said and done, they are predominantly filled with man's words. And I submit to you that the words of men will never give you lasting victory over your temptations. So if we're going to successfully overcome any temptation in our life, we need to fill our mind with God's word. In Hebrews 4.12, it tells us that God's word is living, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Every time we open it and read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, it penetrates to the dividing of joints and marrow, soul and spirit. In other words, it gets all the junk out of the way and it discerns the thoughts and the intents of your heart. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 tells us that all of Scripture is inspired of God. It's God's Word. And the verse goes on to say, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that you as a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Even though devotions and Bible studies and Bible commentaries are full of great thoughts, even though they can benefit you as you try to understand the Bible, they must never replace the daily reading, studying, and meditation of God's Word. I firmly believe that over the last few years, something has drastically shifted in Christianity. Collectively, as a body of believers, the, the church as a whole, I, I, I think we've lost a respect for God's Word. I'm not saying that we're blatantly throwing it out the window. I, I'm not saying we don't care what God has to say. I'm referring to having a smorgasbord mentality when it comes to Scripture. We tend to treat God's Word like we would a buffet table. We open our Bible, and then we pick and we choose which of God's laws and His standards and which principles we like. We'll focus our attention on those. We'll, we'll chew for a while on those. We may even do our best to try and obey them while we leave the rest of the Scriptures to the irrelevancy of Bible times. Consider this. We need to say, as David did in Psalm 119.72, that the law of God's mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. You know, I think another way to put that is, is this. God's word is better to me than any pleasure that any sin could ever bring me. God's word is better to me than any pop, any rush, that lust, porn, or masturbation, or any other temptation, giving into that temptation could ever provide me with. So step number one to overcoming any temptation and living in spiritual victory is to read God's Word daily. Step number two is to memorize God's Word faithfully. Now, I can just hear someone as they're listening to the podcast shout at the, at the speakers, come on, are you kidding me? Memorize? You can't be serious. I can barely remember my mother's birthday, let alone a Bible verse. We love her excuses, don't we? In the years that I've been engaged in ministering to men and trying to help them in their spiritual walk, encouraging guys to, to, to memorize Scripture, I've heard a lot of excuses. Here's the number one excuse I've heard most often from guys over the years. Oh, I, I really want to. I know I should. I, I just have a, a poor memory. It's, it's hard for me to memorize Scripture. Can you relate to that? Come on, be honest. Can you relate to that? I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, I want you to say your physical address out loud, your house number, your street, city, state, and zip, okay? One, two, three, go. How you doing? Did you get it? Did you forget your address? All right, I'm going to count to three, 
And on the count of three, out loud, I want you to say your phone number, area code and phone number. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, how'd you do with that one? Did you forget your phone number? More than likely, you did not forget those things. The reason is because you're intimately familiar with them. You're familiar with them because they have a permanent place in your memory banks. They have a permanent place in your memory banks because you use them on a regular basis and you understand that there's great value in having them memorized. You know that at a moment's notice, you might need to instantly recall that phone number to give it to someone or, an, or your address. Well, folks, it's the same thing with memorizing God's Word. Daily repetition and daily use will help you greatly with Scripture memorization. And it's vital that you understand why you should memorize God's Word. What's the value in memorizing His Word? David answers that best in Psalm 119, verse 11. He said, I have stored up God's Word in my heart. In other words, I've memorized Scripture so that I might not sin against God. You see, when you're tempted, the Holy Spirit is going to bring God's Word. He's going to bring God's truth, God's standards back to your memory. But He'll do that only if you've already hidden it in your heart to begin with. Here's another question for you. Let's have a little fun with this one. Can you remember something you never knew? Now think about the question. Can you remember something you never knew? How many of you tried that in high school and college? It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. In John chapter 14, Jesus has some alone time with his disciples. He's preparing them for what's about to happen. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be captured, tortured, crucified, buried. But three days later, I'm going to rise again, and I'm finally going to get to go home to be with my father. And all they can hear him say is, I'm leaving you. So as they're throwing their little whiny hissy fit, he corrects them. He says, no, 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 you need to understand. It's necessary for me to go. If I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And then Jesus said in, in John fourteen twenty six what the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit was going to be, what it is today. Here's what the verse says. When he has come, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I have said to you. Did you catch that? He will remind you of God's word. The Holy Spirit cannot remind you of scriptures you do not know. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in your heart and life today is partly to bring back to your memory truths and principles and standards from Scripture that you've already memorized. Those truths, those standards, those principles are what will help you say no to your temptation. So to overcome any temptation in your life, read God's Word daily, memorize God's Word faithfully, and talk with God consistently. Simply put, pray. How's your prayer life? How often do you talk with God during any given day? And, and, and when you do pray, what do you talk to God about? Let me remind you that God is not a holy vending machine. Prayer is not about getting things from God because you've somehow earned his favor. Think about it this way. In a very real sense, when you're facing that overwhelming temptation, when the, the enemy is attacking your soul, you are at war, spiritual warfare. Would you agree? So think about prayer as being your spiritual battle cry. In Psalm 61, verse 1, David said, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. In Psalm 142, verse 1, he said, With my voice, I'm crying out to the Lord. With my voice, I'm praying for mercy. By the way, did you notice what David did not say? He didn't say, with my thoughts, I'm thinking my prayer to the Lord. He said, with my voice, I'm crying out to God. 
In 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 20, it says that the children of Israel were helped in fighting the enemy because they cried out to God during the battle. So step number one to overcoming any temptation and living in spiritual victory is to read God's word daily. Step number two is to memorize God's word faithfully. Step number three is to talk with God consistently. And step number four is to meet with an accountability partner regularly. Oh, now some of you are going to cringe at that one. Many of us struggle with the concept of accountability, don't we? We know we need it. We may even want it. But most of us tend to shy away from it. The big reason for that is because we think of accountability as being this small group sitting in a tight circle, airing all of our dirty laundry, sharing all of our failures for the week, or maybe you picture a late night phone call to your accountability partner confessing your latest disgrace. And while that is a part of accountability, it's only a part. The problem is that we tend to think of accountability strictly as confrontation. We see it as someone getting in your face regarding your choices to sin. Uh, Now, I can't speak for you, but I'm not a fan of confrontation. But you need to understand, confrontation is not what accountability is all about, or at least it shouldn't be. Accountability, it must never be about fear or shame-based change. It's not about staying away from certain sins that are considered taboo so you can avoid having that awkward conversation with your accountability partner. That The point of accountability isn't just opening up to another person about your sin so that they can give you a slap on the wrist and challenge you to do better. Accountability should be a time of building each other up, encouraging other. Yes, you need to deal with the sin issues, but then press on toward godliness. In other words, discipleship. Authentic accountability is when you guys and another brother meet weekly in order to strengthen each other with God's Word, to pray with and to pray for one another. It's a brother coming alongside of you, helping you to think through the ramifications of your choices. It's a brother who's helping you navigate the ditches and the potholes and the caverns of life. It's a brother who lovingly helps you chip away at the rough edges, willing to be hard on you when necessary. It's a brother who won't let you quit. I love Proverbs 27, 19. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That is accountability at its best. So there you have it. Daily choose to remove the I from life. Daily choose to put God on the throne of your heart. Daily choose to say no to King me and yes to the Holy Spirit. And then follow these four steps. Read your Bible daily. Memorize God's Word faithfully, talk with God consistently, and meet with an accountability partner regularly. Well, be sure to join us for next week's episode entitled, The Great Motivator. It's important that we focus on the motivation of our heart. Why do you do the things you do and make the choices that you make? You know, almost everything we do has a driving force behind it. You eat because you're hungry. You sleep because you're tired. You bite your fingernails because you're anxious about something. Even our sinful choices have a motive behind them. So in episode number three, we will be focusing our attention around two very powerful questions. Do I want to experience real victory in my life? And why do I want that victory? Well, until then, step up to the plate and be the person that God has called and equipped you to be.